When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is the moment you have been waiting for. I know we talk about things like volunteerism and the giving to the community and being successful as we age, but I know what you really want to know about. How do I look younger? How do I look better? You know, this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth, so we have to tell the truth. And today our guest is, this is what you've been waiting for, uh, Dr. Gregory Weiner. Now, he is not only a plastic surgeon, but he's a renowned, uh, I won't say it because he'll tell me he's not, but he's a celebrity plastic surgeon. Uh, he was named America's Top Surgeons by the Consumer Research Council of America. So he's laughing already. Uh, you regularly see him featured in Fox News, NBC News, Vogue, uh, Chicago Sun-Times, and a lot more. And he's, he wins awards. He's a plastic surgeon, uh, the only one to receive the Best Beauty Surgeon Award. So we are really in the right place at the right time. So thank you so much for being with us, Greg, uh, Gregory. Well, thanks, Adrian. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I, um, I I was fascinated always by the the philosophical issues of whether we should be looking younger or not. So let me start with that. Are you actually helping people look younger or better or different? Um, I, I think it, it goes in multiple ways. I mean, uh, you know, every – I think you have to look at every patient uh, uh, individually and, and – and, uh, uh, there's there's never a cookie cutter approach to to any of this. Everyone's got their own uh, perception uh, uh, as far as how they want to look, uh, as far as what they want to change, and and it really it really runs the gamut from looking uh, a little younger to just looking a little bit better. Uh, it, it depends on uh, what stage of life they're in and uh, the patient's in, and it depends on you know if it's something that's bothered them all of their life or if it's something that's come you know come. Uh, come up as they've gotten older. Uh, there's, there's lots of different reasons to, to have plastic surgery. So now let's take a look at things that are not plastic surgery, because all the rage now is non-invasive. You see that every other word when you're reading New Beauty and many of the other magazines right. and watching the kids. So there are some myths, and some of these myths would keep people from looking the way they'd like to look. And right, one of right. the things that we probably have not been worried about all our life is the hair on our face if we're women, because we didn't have it all of our life. I have sure. uh, felt that uh, hair on the face comes a little bit with aging, and it makes you look older, and there's something called dermaplaning, and some people will say great things about it and some don't. So let's talk about that as a procedure. What is it, and what's the myth that's, uh, that's grown up around it? Well, dermaplaning is a, is a really simple and quick procedure that can be that can be done uh, easily in the office, and and it's nothing more than taking a um, a, a little flat blade and uh, and basically uh, gently scraping, if you will, uh, along the skin uh, at an angle, so that you're basically uh, not only uh, uh, taking off uh, hairs uh, but also exfoliating. Uh, and so it's a it's a nice treatment, and it's a it's a quick treatment. It's a nice treatment. It removes the small uh, the small hairs, the little vellus hairs. You can remove big hairs too, um, and, uh, and and it also uh, creates a nice uh, atmosphere if you're going to put any 
other creams uh, or, or or gels on any moisturizers because you know it takes off that top layer of dead skin cells and uh, so if you're using a vitamin c cream or uh, uh, even uh, you know even a retinol uh, cream uh, those kinds of things can penetrate more deeply uh, uh, and really do their job after after dermaplaning okay so let's let's say this we're spending a lot of money on creams i just was invited to bloomingdale's to see their new um their new beauty floor and honestly you can take a mortgage out just to get a couple of the different moisturizers Yeah, it's oh, yeah. really true. So you don't want it to not right. work. And dermaplaning sure. takes away some of the barriers. But it also takes away the top layer of cells. Now, I've always learned that skin does rejuvenate. And right. it doesn't time come. Uh, first of all, how long does it take to get a new fresh layer of skin? But, but second of all, um, are we fooling ourselves when we think that it will rejuvenate as well in our 70s and 80s it might have done in our 30s and 40s? Well, well, certainly. I mean, you know, it, it, in answer to your first question, I mean, you you know, you've. Uh, uh, it, it depends on how deep you go as far as how long it takes the skin to rejuvenate. If you're if you're dermaplaning only, um, you're you're really only removing the stratum corneum, which is that layer of of, of dead uh, uh, skin cells, and so you're not really seriously getting into the top layer of the epidermis. Uh, now, there are treatments that you can do that obviously go deeper than that, and, and those are the treatments uh, when you get into laser resurfacing and things like that that, uh, that, uh, that do a little bit more uh, as far as removing wrinkles and, uh, and, and brown spots and age spots. Um, but dermaplaning is just going to remove that stratum corneum, and that, and that stratum corneum is going to come back over a, over a period of, of days, uh, depending on, uh, you know, how, uh, vigorously, vigorously you, uh, you do your skincare. You know, if you're, if you're using a, some kind of scrub, uh, uh, or exfoliating, uh, cleanser, uh, it, you know, you might be able to keep that, uh, keep that stratum corneum from building up, uh, in, in any big way, uh, for, uh, you know, for a week or so, I mean, uh, uh, or more. And so, um, so yes, that that, that uh, there's there's differences there, and and as far as uh, uh, as you get as you get older, well yes, that also it's it's more difficult for uh, the skin to kind of bounce back, um, uh, but but you know I mean it, it does it still it still does I mean uh, and and, the, and these uh, these treatments are still very effective for people uh, as uh, as you get older. So let's take a look at the myth, though, around dermaplaning. It's taking off your top layer of dead cells, and it's taking off the little peach fuzz, I call it. And uh, right. I have been told, I was personally told by my facialist, who I happen to love, that the hair will grow back strong. <laughs> I was told right. that. And I know it's a myth you're trying to dispel. So what's that about? Why do, why do good people who know an awful lot about um, aesthetics, great estheticians, really believe that? You know, I think it's it's one of those it's one of those myths that's just been around for so long that you know people can't get past it. Because um, I mean, it, it's not just with dermaplaning. It's you know, it's with uh, I, I hear it with uh, you know men's shaving, uh, uh, women shaving their legs, uh, you know, uh, uh, even even cutting the, the hair uh, your hair on the scalp. I mean uh, that uh, that uh, things you know that, that that they'll come back the hair will come back stronger and thicker. Uh, the more you uh, the more you cut it, shave it, etc. And it, there's just no evidence to show that that's that's actually the case. I mean, so certainly let when me you're ask you a question. I have to really yes. get into this one. I saw maybe 12 <laughs> ads for dermaplaning at home, 
to me it looks like wow. a like one of these knives that you take uh you take <laughs> maybe you scrape some paint off your window and it terrifies right. me to put it into my hand yeah but right. uh i don't know what do you think i mean this at home thing gadget is is big i never played it, it uh, ultimate, I mean, I, I think my my first reaction to that is uh, is is um, not to do that. Um, I mean, it, it's still a knife, um, and uh, and doing it while looking in the mirror, uh, if you're especially if you're not experienced uh, with it, I mean, there could be an accident. Um, I mean, it's it's a fairly sharp blade. Um, you know, the, the the best option is to just go to a really good esthetician who. Um, or, or you know whoever's doing it that's, that has good experience with it, uh, significant experience uh, uh, with it, and uh, and it's it's just you know it's done safely, it's done effectively. Um, you know the the home version. I mean, I, I I'm not going to rule it out, but but I'm not. My my initial um, thoughts are that it's better not to do that. Do it. All right. So we're going to yeah. get into a second a myth that's around. We don't have a lot of time, but we'll be able to do that on the other side of our our uh, commercial break, and that is liposuction. Mm-hmm. I, I'll have to tell you a couple of uh, personal things, and then we'll – this is the fountain of truth, so I always talk about personal <laughs> uh, I had it. I had liposuction of the chin, and I had it at a time when uh, maybe I was four – so let's say 30 years ago. I Maybe I had the first uh-huh. liposuction that anybody <laughs> – that's right around there for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, uh, absolutely serious. And I'll, I'll be honest, I was a radio broadcaster at the time, and it was done as an mm-hmm. experiment by a client, a doctor in New York City, who said, come right. in, let's have it done, let's see what happens. Well, I want everybody to know it's not, it's not a lie. 30 years later, I have a beautiful, beautiful chin. This was under my chin. The fat never came back. Fat came back in other areas of my body I don't want to talk about, but not under the chin, ever. And people say, well, you had a facelift. Well, I never had a facelift. I had liposuction decades ago. So uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Yeah, we're going to talk about that, but I want to get up to date. That was 30 years ago. Today, I want to uh, stick with the chin for a moment when we come back, doctor. And we're speaking with Dr. Uh Gregory Weiner, and he is... um, uh, a master plastic surgeon, a celebrity plastic surgeon, but also uses many non-invasive techniques. I want to talk about that compared to Kandel. So if, you, if you're a narcissist like me, don't go anywhere. Uh-oh, we'll be right back. For my age. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit. Cause I am happy And I freely admit I'm inappropriate For my age and this is Adrian Berg, and hello, hello, hello. This is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth. I want to remind you that this is your show. I do shows like this because you ask me to. You are very interested in what's going on in the world of beauty, in the world of aesthetics, and, of course, looking younger we have big philosophical discussions about that, but not today. Today we're speaking with Dr. Gregory Weiner. He is a very, very well-known. You may have seen him on Fox News, NBC News, Vogue. Uh, if you're from the great state of Chicago, you might have read about him in the Chicago Sun-Times or Today's Chicago Woman. Uh, and he's one of the top surgeons, uh, named so by the Consumers Research Council of America. And he's dispelling some myths for us 
uh, some of which were not myths to me. I didn't believe him in the first place, but some were. He just mentioned that dermaplaning, which I thought actually did grow back hairs more robustly, doesn't. Uh, we're talking a little bit about liposuction and whether it comes back. And at least in my life, all I can tell you is it doesn't. So let's go go focus on that a little bit. Again, uh, Dr. Weiner, not everybody even knows what liposuction is, although most people listening to my show probably do. But tell us what it is, where in the body it can be used, and again, oh, whether okay. the fat comes back. All right, Adrian. Well, I mean, liposuction is pretty simple uh, in concept. I mean, basically, uh, it's removing fat through tiny incisions, little poke hole incisions. And it can be done anywhere on the, almost almost anywhere on the body. Uh, it's, a, it's all external. It's, you know, the, the trunk, the arms, uh, you know, face, neck, uh, le- you know, extremities, uh, legs. And uh, through small incisions, uh, a, a long cannula is inserted uh, that first uh, the first thing we do, and this is, and this is important, the first thing we do with, lip, with any liposuction procedure is to actually pump in a fluid into the fat first. And that's, a, that's an important development uh, uh, that, that occurred a few years after the inception of liposuction in the late 80s, because in the late 80s, they were doing liposuction uh, without, without pumping in this fluid first, and it, and it was uh, uh, a little bit m- more risky. Uh, this fluid is a, it's a mixture of uh, IV fluid and a little bit of a, uh, um, a um, uh, anesthetic uh, and something called uh, epinephrine, which actually constricts blood vessels. So this mixture is very standardized, and it, and it and it goes into the fat and kind of prepares the fat for us, and it makes it a safer procedure. Um, and then after that, the cannula is actually inserted that suctions the fat, uh, and uh, and you're actually sucking the fat out. And 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 how you do that, uh, uh, and where you do that is kind of you know based on the, the situation at hand. Um, and uh, and so it's it's a procedure that is uh, uh, year over year uh, uh, one of the most popular plastic surgery procedures in the world. Now I will say uh, that I've had it. I told everybody that it was many many years ago. I was very very black and blue. It was under the chin and neck, uh, but the black and blue went away, and I've never had an issue with that in my life, even to the point of thirty years going by. I'll also say I'm not a big fan of epinephrine, uh, as I have to say, because it does, for me, give a little bit of a rapid heart. So I don't know if epinephrine has a competitor and whether that's been used in liposuction. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it. Um, you know, the amount of the amount of epinephrine that's it's used in um in, in the liposuction in, in the tumescent solution, that's what we call it, uh is, is so small, it's uh it's much less than the amount that you'd get in say a dental injection. Uh, right. uh and so it's it it's 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 pretty you know, unless you're having a large scale liposuction, it's actually uh, you know, very, very difficult to um to um to tell, um, but still, it, it is po- it's still possible that uh, that your heart rate may speed up a little bit uh, in some cases. Um, but uh, and, and I understand that's you know that can be an uncomfortable feeling. Most of the time, when we're when we're uh, using uh, a larger amount of uh, tumescent solution, it's a it's a larger scale procedure. We're suctioning more surface area, and in those cases, patients are uh, either sedated or under general anesthesia, and so um, you know you ne- you don't you don't really end up feeling that uh, that, uh, uh, and and we can control that as well. So now we go to the myth 
and the myth, which I don't right. believe only because I lived through it, but I would have believed it if I didn't live through it. And that is, it all grows back anyway, so why spend the money and the time? Right. I mean, it, it, can, it, can it grow back? Well, I mean, there, there's, there is that possibility, but, but, but what you're saying is absolutely, you know, uh, it's a great thing, number one, that, uh, that, that you uh, uh, have the, the improvements 30 years later. That's, that's awesome. And I think that um, certainly if you, if you look at the, the science of it, when you, when you suction fat, you're removing fat cells. So you're actually taking fat cells away from a, a, a portion of the body, whatever you're suctioning, obviously. And um, those fat cells are going to be gone forever. Your body doesn't make new fat cells. I mean, there, there, are, there are human beings that do make, that, that do produce new fat cells, but those are, those are patients who are just morbidly obese, the people who weigh, you know, 400, 500 pounds. Yeah. Um, and they have, they're, they're the only group that's been shown to actually make new fat cells, but the, your average person, 90, you know, probably 98% of most people will never make new fat cells. So those, those cells are gone forever. Um, now, can the cells remaining in the area get bigger? Well, they can. So if you were to, you know, gain a, uh, a lot of weight, and, I, and I've seen this in my practice where patients will, will have an area that's been suctioned, they look fantastic and they come back to see me, you know, a few years later having put on 20 or 30 pounds. And, and even the areas that are suctioned can enlarge because we're not, we're typically not removing every fat cell. You're leaving a little bit of a layer of fat so that things look good and nice and smooth. Um, you know, you've got to have a little bit of subcutaneous fat in most, in most areas to look good. So you're not going to, you're very rarely are going to suction out everything right down to the skin. Um, so you're leaving some of that, a little bit of that fat behind for, for cosmetic purposes. So it looks nice. And so that, that can get, get, uh, uh, that can enlarge it with, with weight loss. Um, so one I of the just, things I that I, to, uh, go, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I want to oh, uh, um, say just a word. It'll take about a minute because that's all we have on this mm -hmm. section. A Kybella. Kybella is, a, is an injection and it's used for under the chin. And I don't know how you feel about it as a competitor to liposuction. We we use Kybella in my practice and I think it's I think it's great and it works. I mean, it, and it's really for patients who just don't like the idea of undergoing a surgical procedure. Um and and it, typically it's used in the in the neck um and it, and uh the the issue is that it's it, it's a little time consuming. I mean, you know, you've got to have a series of injections uh, several weeks apart, and there is some swelling, and there are a little bit, of, little bit of downtime associated with it. But, but it's, I think it's a reasonable procedure. But in my mind, and of course I'm a surgeon. I mean, I, I like to cut to the chase sometimes. And in my mind, undergoing some, uh, uh, if you're going to do some fat reduction in the neck, undergoing a, a, a quick liposuction under local anesthesia, a one-time deal, uh, is, uh, is probably more efficacious and uh, and uh, shorter time period as well, and more and a little bit more. Yeah, I want to tell everybody it could also well. be cheaper. Yeah, I mean a lot of people are fooled yeah. by uh, I, about the cost of it. They say, well, it's an injection; it's going to be cheaper than a, a procedure. Right. Well, mm. yeah, you have no. enough of those yeah. injections. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can rack exactly it up. Exactly right. Yeah, we'll be back in just a moment, and we're going to be talking about breast implants. We're going to be talking about Botox, the big B. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back with Dr. Gregory. I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit, 'cause I am happy. 
And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth, the Fountain of Truth about aging. And we talk about all kinds of philosophical topics, and we talk about facing aging and successful aging and volunteerism, uh, even sexuality as we grow older, relationships, isolation, you name it. I mean, it's heavy stuff. Today, we're talking about being beautiful. This is what you asked me to talk about, and we are so fortunate today to have Dr. Gregory Weiner. Uh, he is a well-known plastic surgeon, but he also has the full panoply of non-invasive techniques. And we talked about dermaplaning, which is taking uh, the surface dead uh, cells really off your face, enhancing the ability to use products, which can be very expensive these days. Uh, we talked about the myth that the hair will grow back. It won't. We're talking now about a procedure, which is liposuction. That is a procedure. Uh, and one of the myths that he wanted to dispel was whether if it's not going to come back, if the if the, if these uh, fat cells taken out of your one part of your body, you know, it's like conservation of energy, Dr. Weiner, people think. If, you, if you're thinner in one part of your body, yeah. you've got to be fatter in another part of your right. body. Is that true? Absolutely not, and that and that's one of the big ones uh, that I, <clears throat> that I hear that uh, you know patients seem to believe that there's some kind of universal set point f- for your fat and your body's if you take fat from from one area uh, that it, it it may magically pop up into a into another area, and that's that's absolutely not the case. Uh, you know, it it doesn't work that way. Um, if you have your abdomen or your waistline suctioned, it, you know, fat's not going to magically pop up in your thighs. Um, it's not going to happen. However, the the one thing I will say is that that if you do gain weight in the future um, after liposuction, uh, say you had your abdomen and waistline suctioned, and you and you do gain weight in the future for whatever reason, the fat will uh, uh, the fat will expand more readily in the areas that weren't suctioned. You know because those areas still have the same number of fat cells that they had before, whereas the areas that were suctioned, abdomen, if you had your abdomen and waistline suctioned, they won't thicken up as fast if you gain weight because we've reduced the number of fat cells in that area. So, you know, well, this is the fountain of truth, and i got to tell everybody the truth. The truth is you've got to take care of yourself. It is Correct. all holistic. Starting at age 50, and that's 20, almost a little bit more than 20 years ago, I began with a personal trainer. Um, then I learned how to do it all on my own so it would be cheaper. I do try to eat right. I try to walk uh, the the talk that I give. It's not easy. I was a very, very heavy younger person and a very, very obese child. So I know all the pain of this. Um, and in a recent article for our uh, for our blog, Aging for Beginners, I give 12 things that you do to look younger in under an hour for under $100. And let me just tell you guys, the number one thing is to stand up straight and get your posture right and your gait right because you look old when you're hunched, uh, when you're not vigorous in the way people see you. So the, the little wrinkle that's right under your eye is nothing to the public compared to your demeanor. So the, it's the whole body, including if you do have any of these procedures, you have to take care of yourself very well. It does not allow you now to stand in front of the refrigerator and eat cheesecake. Liposuction does not do that. Um, and so it's very, very important. But I'll tell you one thing. 
and Dr. Wien is going to give us the, the truth about this one. That does seem to work, even if you have lousy habits. And that's Botox. I mean, Botox seems to be everybody's friend. Let's talk about Botox a little bit and, and the same idea. Do the wrinkles come back even worse if you stop using it? Well, Adrian, you know, Botox is great. I mean, I think it's it, it's a it's a fantastic treatment. I mean, it's been around for a long time. It's, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's very safe uh, if it's used correctly and, uh, and it works. Um, and it, it really does. It works beautifully. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, the, the, the bottom line is when you're using Botox, what you're doing is, you know, you're not affecting the wrinkled absolutely directly you're affecting the muscles underneath the wrinkle you're affecting the the muscles that create certain wrinkles so botox is used in a lot of places but where it seems to be most effective is in the upper part of your face your forehead uh you know between the eyebrows uh the crow's feet uh and those are areas that uh, where the where the wrinkles are really formed uh, almost directly by muscular activity. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, environmental damage and, and, and skin breakdown that's forming those wrinkles. Those wrinkles are formed because those muscles under there are working, causing, uh, causing creases. And so you knock out that muscle for a period of time, and the wrinkle gets better. And uh, and it's and, and it's a again, it's a fantastic treatment. As we all know, with Botox. Um, it's going to work for a period of months, and then the muscle, the body starts to starts to find its way around the Botox, and uh, and, and the body uh, basically uh, finds uh, finds a way to get that muscle working again, and uh, and so you've got to come back uh, every few months. Typically, it's going to be somewhere between four and six months to get uh, to get another Botox treatment. The big issue with it is as far as uh, uh, will the, will the wrinkles come back worse than before. Um, no, absolutely not. Um, and, and I'm actually one of those proponents for using Botox earlier, uh, uh, as far as your age goes, because I think if you knock out that, if you knock out that muscle earlier, those big deep furrows in the forehead and, and between the brows, they're not going to form. Um, and so, uh, and we don't see the, the, the wrinkles coming back worse. We don't see the muscle coming back, you know, stronger. In fact, if you, if you're, if you're, constantly weakening that muscle that muscle may even on some level atrophy to some degree so the muscle the the it, you're actually over over a period of time if you use botox regularly actually weakening that muscle so there's no way that that wrinkle is going to come back ever come back stronger than before so let, let's talk about a couple of things here because we have people who are listening that have been following me for many years because i am such a great cheerleader for aging and how dare i say that we shouldn't have the 11s or the marionette lines or uh, you know some of these things well i have to tell everybody my philosophy for just a moment or i'm going to get phone calls first of all i do believe that we become invisible when we get older i believe this has to do with ageism and our culture i hate it i'm waging a war against ageism every minute of my life but i do believe in using the the tools that you have in front of you to become more visible one day 11s or sagging chins uh, or lopy ears will be beautiful. We know that image makers all over the world can change the image of the way we see ourselves and the way we see others, but it isn't happening right now. And therefore, if you feel that you are bothered 
by a wrinkle that you have or you look like you're frowning or sad and people are asking you, oh, what's wrong, dear, when you feel like a million bucks? It may very well be the way that people are seeing you and and they are looking at you and not seeing who you are because of your wrinkle. Who you are is not your wrinkles, but that's what they see. So that makes me a proponent of if you have the money, and frankly, it's my biggest problem with Botox is it's not egalitarian. Even though it's getting cheaper, not everybody can go and do it. That's true of a lot of things in this world. But that's, that's Dr. Weiner, that's my thing. You do have to do it a few times a year, and it costs money. It's not an easy thing to right. put in your budget. Uh, however, right. it works. It works, and it doesn't come back. Uh, and as, as we just learned from, from Dr. Gregory Weiner, it may even be helpful to younger folks um, if they do it almost like muscle memory. If you exercise more... Uh, over a, a longer period of time, starting younger in life, it changes your musculature. So now, now some of these things, Dr. Weiner, like Botox and dermaplaning and liposuction, are really things we think about with regard to aging. But we don't always think about breast implants with regard to aging. That always, in a, at least in my mind, that's a young person's idea. They want to look sexier. Maybe they do have a, a, a pendulous problem and so on. I don't always associate it with aging, but just give us a minute. Are older women thinking about this now, or are you still getting the younger crowd in your office? Uh, well, Adrian, it's it, it, it's an interesting question because over the last, especially over the last ten years, I've been seeing a lot of uh, of older patients uh, getting breast augmentation. Um, you know, there's there's different groups. There's you know there's uh, uh, women who are younger and who never. Uh, had the uh, the size and shape that they wanted. Um, uh, there's a there's another group of uh, also younger women who have had uh, children, and the breasts are changed, of course, by pregnancy and breastfeeding, uh, and they've they've maybe lost volume after pregnancy, which is very common, uh, and and uh, so they're candidates for for breast augmentation also if they want to replenish some of that uh, some of that lost breast volume, uh, and that and now uh, lately there has been you know another group of women who are in there. We'll, we'll be back. We never have enough time, Brady. We will be back for finish idea about is this something you want to do for your body as we want to be sexy as we age. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth. With a very quick story, uh, one of the leading age beat journalists was a friend of mine, and I will not actually give you her name. You'll see why in a moment. But she was a very, very famous journalist in aging. And she said to me one day, Adrian, I got to tell you my most read column. And boy, she talked about. Uh, being older and the philosophy of aging and ageism. I said, what's your most read column? She said, when I describe my facelift. More people read about my facelift than by all of my other columns. So this really is the fountain of truth. We know that no matter how high and mighty we want to be about successful aging, we want to look our best. And sometimes still in this ageist culture, our best means we want to look younger. 
And we're here with Gregory Wiener, Dr. Gregory Wiener, who is, he's the kind of guy you wish you could go to and say, I'm naked with a checkbook, do everything for me, I want to walk out the door looking beautiful. He's one of America's top surgeons, by the, named so by the Consumers Research Council of America. You might have seen him on Fox News or NBC News or Oxygen Magazine or Harper's Bazaar. He's very fancy. And he comes from the Midwest, and he's got a lot of myths that have been bugging him because it stops people from taking the action they'd like to take to look their best. And one of the things that we were talking about before our break was breast implants. And and he was saying, look, lately I am getting older women coming in for this. Now, do you think it's because the baby boomer honestly does believe we're going to live longer or because we're more conscious more narcissistic, maybe. Maybe it's not such a positive spin. Maybe we just uh, are very into ourselves these days, uh, even if we're in our 60s, 70s, and, and even more. What do you think? Well, it's, that's it's an interesting question, too. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is uh, the fact that, uh, well, I, maybe narcissistic is, is, is too uh, uh, tough a word, but, but, but certainly cer- certainly patients are, t- are, are taking they're, they're taking care of themselves. I mean, they, you know, I'm, I'm seeing women in their 40s and 50s who, who are just in, in, in fantastic shape. I mean, they're, they're taking the time to, to do the things that they need to really look good and, and feel good. They're, they're, they're exercising. They're, uh, you know, they're eating the right diets. And, and, uh, uh, and so that group of, of patients is, are, are now coming in because there's some things that you can't change with, with, uh, with diet and exercise. And, uh, and, that, and, and so uh, if, uh, if their physique is looking fantastic, they're toned, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they posture-wise, as you mentioned, they're, they're, they're doing fantastically well. Uh, they've got good muscle structure, but, you know, they don't like how they look in a, a form-fitting clothing, and they want a little bit more fullness in the breast area. Uh, and, and, they've you know, they've had children. They've lost volume over the years. Maybe they've lost a little bit more volume with weight loss uh, if they've been working out a lot. Uh, then then they, they are, in fact, candidates for, for breast augmentation. And, and, and well, it's, there's uh, another part of you know, it, too, that's the pectoral muscles. You know, I, I'm forever doing upright rows. If I see one more upright, row i think i'm going to go to c yeah but you know yeah. and because the pectoral muscles like all other muscles start to sag too and you have to do a lot right. of exercise for that so i i would think that there is a market here i don't um i, I don't see it as huge as the wrinkles and the plastic surgery and the the liposuction and so on but there is a myth surrounding um this and uh and that is that it doesn't last uh, very much like the liposuction, right. that'll all come back. Is, is this true? Right. Well, I mean, you know, a, a breast implant uh, is a man-made device. So, so is there a chance that a breast implant can leak? And there are different types of implants. There's saline-filled implants, which are saltwater-filled implants, and there, or there are silicone gel implants, which are which are the the most popular. Uh, implants are being used today, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will will remember when the silicone gel was taken off the market in this country in sure. the early '90s. Those were different. Those were different implants. They were an implants that they were implants that were made with a very a thin type of gel and a very kind of inferior shell. And uh, and so in the mid '90s, uh, the implants were re-engineered in this country. And after 10 years of uh, uh, of data through studies uh, and trials, they were brought back on the market. 
uh, totally different implant uh, in this country in the, in 2006. And so the, the silicone gel implants we're using today are, are fantastic implants. Uh, they, they work beautifully. However, there is still a possibility that as the implant ages, it can leak. Now, leaking is not the, the main thing. Is leaking is not a health emergency. It's not leaking. It a leaking so implant scary. is not going to make you sick. Uh, scares yeah, me to does. death. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I and I and I and I and believe me, we understand that it's you know it, it, in this uh, in this industry, and and so what I what I tell my patients is, look, it's you know, there's in the, in the first five years that you have an implant, typically there's about a three to four percent chance that you could have a leak. Um, as the implant ages, uh, tack on one or two percent per year. So maybe after you've had the implants for ten years there's maybe a 14 or 15% chance that you could have a leak. So, you know, in, in my mind, if 10 years goes by after your breast augmentation and you're still happy, you don't necessarily want to do anything, um, you know, does, does that 10 or 15% chance warrant you replacing your implants and having another surgery? I don't think so. The thing about silicone gel implants is you do have to monitor them. You have to get an MRI once in a while to check that implant. And that's a reasonable uh, thing to do to check the patency of the implant just to make sure it, it, it isn't leaking. And the FDA recommends a whole bunch of MRIs, but as plastic surgeons, I recommend an, an MRI maybe once every five years. And, I, you know, that's a lot to go through. I, I, even, even that, we understand. It but it's, it it's, kind of, it's kind of what you need to do if, if you're going to travel that road. Well, here we are at the end of our show. It's always amazing to me how quickly it comes up. But I think you've learned that there are myths on both sides. There are myths that will stop you from doing something. And then there is what my, my you know, the, the greatest lie in the American idiom is it's a simple procedure. That is an oxymoron. A simple procedure is something that somebody else is getting. That's a simple procedure. But for you, it's always... There's always something complicated. So just make so sure, as Dr. Wiener says, you're going into any of these things with your eyes open, and you're not stopping yourself because of myths that are simply not true. With the billions and trillions spent on this industry, there's still not enough information out there. So, Dr. Wiener, thank you so much for being one of those people who who's purveying truthful information on both sides so that everybody can make a reasoned decision about what they would like to do. And for those of you, like my best friend, who will not even dye her hair, and my other best friend, who's already had four facelifts, it's entirely up to you. And thank you for making it possible for those who want to do something to do it, Mr. And for the rest of you, get out there, kids, and make it happen. 